You're listening to the TNT Effect, the Athletes Podcast. This is the podcast where athletes discuss their journey and other sports professionals talk about how they support these athletes. I'm your host, Dr. Tierra Roll. Let's get into today's episode. What's up, everybody? It is Dr. Tierra Roll, Dr. of Physical Therapy, and today I have a very special guest. He is a special assistant and director of player development at Baylor University. And during his 10 plus years with the Bears, he has helped lead them to eight consecutive postseason appearances, including two Elite Eights, four Sweet Sixteens, and an NIT title. So help me welcome Coach Jared Nunes. So what is up? So how, first of all, how are you? Because the world is upside down right now. So what is yeah. going on? Well, first thing I'm going to say, I'm, I'm very impressed that you could uh, get all those accolades correct. <laughs> from, from all those years. I'm impressed by that. But no, I'm doing good. You know, it's um we are finally starting to get some guys back to campus and school starts Monday. So most of the guys are healthy. I'm healthy, family's healthy, so everything's going well so so far. So hopefully it stays that way. Right. So getting back. So let's kind of like backtrack and then fast forward it back to now. So like Back in March, when everything got shut down, like, how was the team doing? Like, what was going on at that time? I mean, it was tough because we were actually, I mean, at the time, you know, we were ranked in the top five in the country. Um, We were actually getting ready to start our postseason tournament. And the night before the game, you know, we had got um, an understanding that the games might be canceled. So... Once we found out our first game might be canceled, we were like, okay, you know, hopefully, you know, it's just either postponed or, you know, they're going to move it back. But then we were told that there's no fans. So we're like, okay, so all the family people that we came with had to stay at the hotel. Then we were told that, you know, we were going to have only family members not being at fans in the arena and all that stuff. So it was just like a complete roller coaster from the time we found out everything when we were at the tournament until when it just got canceled, the the big 12 tournament got canceled. And then shortly after that, I mean, you know, the NCAA tournament got canceled. So it was really, really tough. Um, We had a meeting with our team that night and it was really emotional, you know, because we had had such a great year and we thought we were going to have an opportunity to try to win a championship, try to play for a championship, you know, and then just to have all of that taken from us, it was it was really, really tough. Understandably, we understood why, but it's still, you know, because obviously, you know, with the COVID and how serious it is and um, the fact that people have lost their lives from it, you know, we understand, you know, why it had to get canceled. But it was just really, really emotional, though. So how many seniors do you all have on the team or had on the team at that time? So, so we had two seniors um, last year. Freddie Gillespie was one. And then Devontae Bandu was the other. So, you know, unfortunately that, you know, you feel bad for them too, because those guys, you know, will never have that opportunity to play for what they thought they were going to be able to play for, you know? Right. So, you know, I, I know there have been talks or in, and I'm not sure if it's been confirmed, but the NCAA, like, have they, are they allowing um, another year eligibility for those seniors or, or what's the plan no, with that? I'll, 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 Fortunately, they aren't because so much of the season had been played. Um, I know baseball, how they did it for baseball players is because the baseball season hadn't started. Okay. They allowed those seniors to have another year of eligibility. 
And I think mm. if the season, like let's say COVID would have happened earlier or mid to mid season last year, I think the chances of them having that full year back, they could have had that. But because it was so much of the year that had been played, they just they didn't grant them that waiver. So it's unfortunate. So yeah. how did that affect the draft? Um, I'm not sure if any of your two seniors into the draft, but in yeah. general, if you know, if you have any like insight on yeah. how that affected players across um, states and different schools and programs, like how was that for them getting into the draft? It definitely didn't, um, you know, it didn't help them, but I don't think it hurt them as much as we were worried that it would. Um, you know, usually the postseason is an opportunity for guys who have an opportunity to help their um, draft status if they play well, right? Mm -hmm. Because so many people are watching the tournament. Um, so not having that opportunity to to play and make a, lot, a late run in the tournament, it, um, it didn't help them. I think it could have helped them kind of put themselves in a position to – you know, being be invited to, you know, combines or being invited to team workouts or have a chance to be drafted. Um, but thankfully enough, you know, Freddie's in a good um, situation now. Hopefully he'll have an opportunity to get drafted. Devontae's um, in a really good situation overseas. He's got an agent that's helping him play professionally overseas. So okay. both those guys right now are in a pretty good situation. So we're, we're blessed with that. Definitely, because I can imagine like so many – athletes not just basketball not just college basketball but it's you know affecting them so much even high school students um coming in so when you're thinking about like the drafting I know there may be some concerns for some parents who for their high school seniors going into their freshman year or even um maybe getting skipped over like that class of 2020 and possibly being skipped over or even 2021 class um I guess it doesn't um, affect you all so much or basketball because there isn't that, that extra year of eligibility. But I would imagine for some of those other sports, like you were saying, baseball, you know, that could potentially pay, play a, a role in in recruiting some of those players who are coming in. But then now you still have athletes who are still on the roster who should be gone at this point. But um, you think any of this affects your recruiting or um, Baylor's recruiting? Um, yeah, it definitely does. It, it, it affects, um, not only recruiting for new athletes, but it can affect like current athletes too. Right. I mean, some of our guys who, you know, are having thoughts about, um, wanting to go play professionally in the NBA or overseas. And let's say our season, you know, gets postponed or pushed back, you know, how does that affect, um, their opportunity for the draft or workouts for the NBA the following year? So it's just so many uncertainties and the uncertainties are really, really tough. Um, mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we just don't know. Um, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, we'll know, you know, if we're going to even have a season. If we, if we are, what's it going to look like? You know, is it going to get start on time? Is it going to start in January? So um, hopefully the clarity, I think, will help everybody. Once right, we right. So during this whole shutdown, quarantine, stay at home, whatever you want to call it, um, what what were you guys doing at that time? Like, were you guys having like team meetings via Zoom or like trainings of any kind? Yeah, everything was Zoom. I mean, like everything. We, um, the campus was shut down. Um, the offices were shut down. Um, we 
we sent most of our guys home that could get home. Um, the guys that, that couldn't get home, you know, we obviously checked on them, um, made sure they were good food wise, accommodation wise and all that. But yeah, everything was zoom. I mean, we couldn't, we weren't allowed to see our guys or, or have any kind of workouts and even be on campus because campus was shut down, you know, when mm-hmm. school stopped. So yeah, just recently we actually last few, it's been two or three weeks when we started getting guys back to campus is the first time we saw, them, you know? And since March, since we got back from um, Kansas City where the tournament was. So, yeah, it was it, I mean, we were pretty much like everybody else, just around family, um, Zoom, Zooming each other on our staff meetings, um, all staff meetings and all that. But no, it was no in-person contact at all. So how did you guys like keep each other motivated, keep the players motivated as well as like the coaching staff trying to stay motivated and encouraged throughout this whole thing. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we had to get creative. Um, you know, we sent videos, we sent, um, inspirational videos. Um, you know, we had team meetings on zooms and talked about goals, um, talked about ways we wanted to be better next year, the following season. Um, but we also encouraged our guys to, you know, stay healthy, spend a lot of time with family because, you know, for me, I've never got this much amount of time, you know, I'm sure a lot of other people have never got this, that much amount of time with family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just making sure everybody was healthy, making sure everybody was safe, but it was, it was definitely challenging to, to make sure. Cause I mean, especially after getting over the disappointment of not being able to play. Um, right. I mean, that's heart wrenching. I mean, I I think about like all of the students who didn't get to have graduations and mm-hmm. um, it's just so much stuff that happened. And I'm like, man, I could not have imagined being that student going through this situation right, right now, even though it's in comparison to like people losing their lives. Like, you know, it's nothing. But at the same time, it's a lot for so many right. people. So, sure. you know, it's, it's huge. And yeah. I don't know. I, I, my hat's off to everybody during this time. Um, Coaches, athletes, everybody. And um, so as director of player development, like what are some things that you focus on um, in developing your players? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of that, I mean, for me, like on our staff, we have so many different responsibilities um, for each of us. Um, you know, mine is academics. So I handle the, the mainly the whole academics. I work with our academic advisor. And so I spend a lot of time one-on-one, um, just mentoring, tutoring guys, uh, spending a lot of time with them on and off the court, mostly off the court, you know, just developing relationships. We have a, a group called character formation at Baylor, um, that talks to them about, um, etiquette, um, job interviews, um, you know, how to present yourself, just a bunch of different things that helps them prepare for after college. So I spent a lot of time um, just from the experiences I had as an athlete, um, just sharing my experiences with them and then just helping to make sure that they don't um, have a lot of the same mistakes that I had, but they also become better men and better basketball players. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's huge because so many athletes, um, especially those who, their ultimate dream is to go to the professional level. They don't have anything um, beyond right. outside of my sport. And it's like, 
there's so much you need to do. Even if you make it to that level, like basketball or sports doesn't last forever. Like you have to be prepared for life after that. And so, so many athletes aren't, um, don't focus on that. And, and if they do get to the point where they um, start to realize that it, they're already like pretty high level and pretty far in, in the game. And so it's like, okay, oh, shoot, I need to figure this out now. I'm like, uh, you know, all it takes is one injury to end it all. So you need to be prepared for anything. For sure, yeah. And so um, talk, speaking of you as an athlete, like how did you start playing basketball? Like what age were you when you started playing? So um, I started playing when I was, I want to say three. My, my father was – a former basketball player. Um, he played professionally for a few years. Um, so he taught me the game. Um, my mom likes to say she she helped out, but I think it was mostly my dad. <laughs> uh, so I, I started when I was two or three. Um, I ended up playing all through high school. I was fortunate enough to get a basketball scholarship to the University of Valparaiso. It's in Indiana. Um, I played there four years. I had an injury. So I ended up redshirting my sophomore year. So I ended up staying for five years and playing there. Um, had a pretty good career there. Um, did well. Graduated from Valparaiso. Went back to Minneapolis. And then I worked for a company called Justin's. My dad worked for Justin's. And I worked for Justin's as a sales rep for a little while there. Realized I didn't want to do sales. Got back into uh, to, to work in basketball and teaching special education. And so I was a high school coach for five or six years. And the head coach at Baylor now, Scott Drew, he was an assistant coach at Valparaiso where I played. And his dad was actually the head coach at the time. So I had known him, shoot, over 20 years now, but I had known him for a while. I had a good relationship. And he offered me a job at Baylor. And so I've been here for 11 years now. 11 years. Rocking. Yeah. Okay, cool. 11 years. Um. All right, I, I'm going to get into some questions from from some um, parents, and because I know we are running a little bit short on time. So the first question is: I love to learn anything about how college coaches recruit the players that aren't the super good top recruits. Is it really effective for kids to reach out to coaches, or do they already have their own channels of finding kids? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say it's it's effective. I think the for us, uh, the best thing, what actually stinks for the COVID stuff now is they've canceled a lot of the AAU stuff as far as coaches being able to go see them play. Right. So that's really um, our best opportunity to go see players for ourselves with our own eyes when they have in the spring and in the summertime because they have the AAU tournaments. Mm-hmm. And we also have coaches that we've developed relationships over the years who may have players who play for them or know of a player who plays somewhere else where that open line of communication is helpful as well. So um, I would say, you know, it, it's 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 rare where we'll have kind of like a cold call happen where we either haven't known about a player at all or that that starts the recruitment, because usually we like to see players before we you know, start recruiting them. But, um, you know, I wouldn't discourage it, but I would say that's kind of the the better way for us to get to know a player or if we have any interest in a player. Okay. First. Hope that answers that question. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out. 
Sorry if it didn't. I apologize. <laughs> All right. The next question is, I would love to know how important it is to a college coach that a player is as mentally ready to play as they are physically ready to play. And do coaches or do college coaches take time to practice the mental game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, the mental game for us, I can't speak for everybody, but for us is, uh, is very important. I mean, we have psychiatrists, psychologists, team psychiatrists, team psychologists for our players um, that, you know, especially incoming freshmen where they're going from the transition from high school to college. Cause it's a lot, right? I mean, you know, waking up, having to travel, having, you know, eight o'clock classes and then maybe going to games and coming back and, you know, all of a sudden you're just not used to a lot of that. So the mental part of it is, is almost as important as the physical part of it. Um, you know, maturity wise, I think for us is big character is big for us as far as, you know, when we're recruiting players, um, you know, we look at not only the player, but, um, the people around him, right? Because if, if the, the core around him is pretty solid, then you know, you know, that kid's pretty high character and that, you know, he's going to be somebody who can really influence and have an impact on your program. So, um, you know, to answer that question, I think, you know, character is big and mental health is, is, is huge. It's huge. It's so huge. are they, are the athletes working with um, the sports site, like one-on-one and then you all also have like a, a team practice thing that you do yep. like before yep. maybe practices before games. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we have, uh, we meet with her. Um, we meet with her before the season. We meet with her probably every few weeks during the season. And then our players actually set up individual times to meet with her. And then not only does she speak to our guys, we have um, speakers that come in, motivational speakers and mental health speakers that come in and, uh, and speak with our guys as well. So again, I can't speak for every program, but I know for us, it's very, very big for us, um, the mental side, because if a player is not at a good state mentally, usually physically, they don't perform very well. Right. Um, and not only that, just recovering from an injury too, you know, you right, have to have right. that component in the, uh, the recovery process as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we, um, a couple of our guys who have had injuries have had a hard time kind of getting over whether it's the pain or if there was a freak accident, um, maybe just getting over that feeling of being comfortable playing. So a lot of them have had to see um, a sports psych just to make sure they get everything back to getting their confidence back to feeling at a good place where they can feel like they can make that same move or make that same adjustment and nothing, you know, freakish will happen to them again. Exactly. So a, it's a lot. I think people that that's so underrated um, and undervalued. The mental part of, of the game, I think, is is very um, undervalued. Mm hmm. All right. So the next question is and, and they have like two or three parts or questions. Um, it says, what are your top recruiting methods, rankings? If so, which one matters more or less than others? And this is like coming from a high school pipeline. So like video highlight submissions. So basically what methods do you rely on for your recruiting? You kind of talked a little bit about um, being able to see the, see the athlete first via AAU tournaments and things of that nature. But what, what other avenues do you guys rely on? Well, I mean, obviously I think everybody knows social media is, is huge now. 
Uh, it's a huge part of the world in general. So um, we do um, use a large part of social media um, to, to get to know a player personally, because a lot of times they put a lot of personal things on, on their social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. They also put highlights on there, right, mm-hmm. of their games. And um, other scouts may comment on a certain player or um, scouting services may count, comment on a certain player. YouTube, you know, usually have highlights. Guys send us YouTube stuff. So social media is, is really, really huge. And outside of that, um, we do look at rankings. I think rankings matter. But again, I think for us as a staff, just speaking for us and everybody, that we trust our eyes. And so us having an opportunity to see them play um, is the first thing for us. Okay. So social media is huge. And, and I think that you should really kind of speak to the importance of what you put out there because people have lost jobs for the things that they put on social media. And I think it's very important, even as, as a high school student or what have you, like you represent not only yourself, but your parents, the programs that you're a part of, or you aspire to be a part of. So it is huge that athletes consider what they put out there, not just the highlights and things of that nature, but from the personal side of things as well. Right. Yeah, for sure. So every year we have a um, a kind of a marketing and media people come in and talk to our players, right? They talk to, they help um, speak to them on interviews. They talk to, about, talk to them about social media, what you put on, what you put off. And I actually had to talk to two of our guys um, about some of the things that they had on their Instagram and one of them that they had on their Twitter and just talk to them about, hey, you know, you don't know there's, you know, who's monitoring your Twitter, who's following you, whether it's um, compliance, alumni, high school, NBA people, because NBA people follow your stuff too. And so much of what you put out there, one, I mean, if it's already out there, you can't take it back. You can delete it, but if somebody's already seen it, you know, words that are written are always there. That's what we tell our guys. So it's a huge part and you don't want someone to, whether you're sharing something or retweeting something or even liking something, you don't want someone to get um, the wrong impression of you based on what you have on your social media. So we talk to our guys about being very, very, very careful about what you put out there that's representing as a representation of yourself, because once it's out there, it's out there. Um, and so we, you know, we, we, we're very, very, very big on communicating with our guys about the importance of social media. Good. I remember, uh, in undergrad as a student athletic trainer, like we had a meeting that was like, okay, look, we have people, their job is to monitor your social media. Uh And, um, you know, definitely they were more so focused on the athletes, of course, um, but it was like, OK, if you are under the age of 21 and you're in a picture with a cup in your hand, like exactly. that's a first positive drug Absolutely. test. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> like we, I mean, come on. I mean, you put yourself in that situation. And so yeah. uh, whether you have a red cup, we don't know what's in the cup. Or if you're actually holding something that explicitly says it's alcohol, that's a positive drug test. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Yeah. so that, that's huge. Um, yeah. Let's see. Next question is, 
What would parents be most surprised to know about the recruiting process and college basketball life? Um, I would say, you know, well, that's a tricky question. I think, you know, when you're recruiting someone, um, you know, you try to be as honest as you possibly can. Right. And I can speak for us. I think, you know, that's for us. Like we know our biggest thing is we want to be upfront and honest. And if the honesty allows us to get a player, then we know we were meant to have that player. Right. It was in God's plans for him to be with us. But if manipulation line or deceit we had to do to get that player, that's not what we, that's not what we're about. Right. Um, so I think a lot of times when parents and kids are going through the recruiting process, you know, the goal is to get the player, mm-hmm. but sometimes that player may come to certain situations or certain universities, and it may not be exactly what they were told or what they assumed it was going to be once they get to campus. Um, and I'm not, you know, talking about anybody in particular. I'm just saying from what I've been told from players that have either transferred or from players after they've gotten done playing, they've said, well, it, it wasn't how I was told it was going to be. And I think for us, what we pride ourselves on is guys that have left our program, graduated from our program, as far as what we know, have never came back and said, well, they lied to me. They, they promised me this. They promised me that. Um, you know, we're, we're upfront. We're honest about it. And, you know, if it's something that allows them to come, great. If not, then we, you know, we respectfully understand and, and hopefully we wish them the best. But I think from, from other situations, I've heard that that's happened to them. And I think that's unfortunate. And that's just something that we're, we're, we're in such a competitive environment and such a competitive business where, you know, people are going to tell certain people or certain families what they want to hear to to get them there and unfortunately that's just the way the business is right it sounds like it's a a, a re- recruiting tactic to get the players that you really want um by any means necessary right. <laughs> that's because what it sounds people. like but yeah you're right it is unfortunate um yeah. because you and, know, if you were just up front with the player uh i think you would have a better outcome by them having the ability to choose yeah with all the information versus kind of being tricked into choosing yeah. it and then they're, they're unhappy once they get there. Well, again, I don't want to judge either too, because I understand from my standpoint, I mean, I understand how competitive and how much pressure um, college coaches, assistant coaches can have on getting players because the bottom line is the better players you have, the better team you're going to have. So I'm not saying that I don't um, understand. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying I know, it's not that I'm saying I don't understand because it's, it's, it's cutthroat. It's tough. It's really yeah. It, yeah. All right. So last question, this one goes back to the mental skills. Um, if, do you have any like specific um, examples of what you guys do? So this person wants to know what mental skills do they practice with their team and what does it look like? And do they take time before practice to teach them a skill like a mistake ritual? Um, 
You know, that's tough because, you know, a lot of times in, in our profession, you have to be uh, medically qualified for a lot of those, um, you know, skill development and exercises. What I can say is the speakers that we have come in have given our guys um, examples of things that um, they've given players. Um, one of the guys came in, used to work for the Spurs, and he worked with Tim Duncan. And um, he told us, you know, specific exercises that he would do with Tim Duncan to help him on his free, with his free throws, you know, going up to the line, pretending that there's nobody there, blacking things out. And so he kind of went through a step that he went through a process that he went through with Tim Duncan and his free throws improved. So a lot of that we rely on, um, you know, outside help for that. Now we can talk to the guys about, you know, breathing techniques at the free throw line or um, you know, how to relax and try to be calm, but so much of that is internal. And so if you're not qualified to, you know, help people in that area, um, I don't know how much help, you know, you're really going to do. So that's where, you know, part of being smart is hiring smart people that can help. Right. So that's what we try, right. <laughs> to, what we try to do when it comes to that. So, okay. Uh, that was the last question from, from parents. Thank you all for tuning in and a special thank you to my guest. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button. And remember, a healthy athlete is a whole athlete.